Thanks for tuning in to the Met Church Podcast. Here at the Met, we are all about connecting people to God and one another. If you have any questions or want more information about what's going on here at the church, then head to our website at metchurch.com. We would love to stay connected with you throughout the week through social media, so be sure to connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Now, enjoy the message. You know, the fundamental purpose of the Bible is to help us understand who Jesus is and what he can do in and through our lives. When we speak of the sufficiency of Scripture, what we mean by that is the Bible doesn't contain everything we want to know. The Bible contains everything we need to know. In fact, in John chapter 20 and verse 30 and 31, John wrote, Jesus performed many other signs and wonders in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. There are a lot of things he did. The Bible doesn't describe or explain. But then he went on to say, but these are written. Why do we have the Bible? These are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life through his name. So the very purpose of our Bible, the very purpose of this is so that we can understand who God is. We can understand the role that he plays and can play in our life. I mean, God who stepped one day from nowhere and stood on nothing and spoke everything into existence, and it all stays there because he tells it to. That same God who is transcendent, this God who is above all, is also a God who is imminent. He can know not just all of us, he can know each one of us. And it's incredible, Paul said, God who is above all, and then he said, but he is also in you all. He is transcendent, and yet he is imminent. And so for us to wrap our minds around who he is, for us to comprehend what he's able to do, he oftentimes in scriptures will use anthropomorphic terms uh, to help us understand. It is a spiritual concept where he breaks it down on our level. For example, the Bible says the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout all of the earth. Well, it doesn't mean his eyes are literally rolling around on the world. It's using an anthropomorphic term, helping us know God is omniscient. He knows everything. He's omnipresent. He can be everywhere. And so he'll use a term like that to help us wrap our minds around how this transcendent God can be known, how this transcendent God can be imminent. And in this series, we're gonna be looking at seven different things that Jesus said that he is. Seven different things that he identifies to help us understand how he can impact our lives. And this morning, we're gonna look at the very first one that he says. He says, I am the good shepherd. Now, if you'd lived in the time in which our Lord had lived, shepherds were a very uh, prominent uh, 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 profession. Everyone understood the value of sheep. Everyone understood the uh, analogy that he is using when he talks to the people and he's sharing with them how that his role in their life is to be like the role of a shepherd in the life of his sheep. And so it is again an anthropomorphic term. It is a way whereby he understands and helps us understand how we can know him and we can know him as as the good shepherd. In fact, in the narrative we're gonna read in just a moment, Two different times he he describes himself as a good shepherd. Now in the Greek language, the first time he uses this is in this word agathos. We get the name agatha from this. The word good, agathos, is the idea of being morally good, of being a good person. This is a very wonderful individual. Agathos, good in the sense that he is morally good. He is perfect. 
And then the second time you read it is kalos. It is an idea of being superior in all that you do. So when I say he is a good shepherd, I mean by that he is uh, morally superior to all the other shepherds. He is a good shepherd in the sense that he is the best at what he does. He's very good at what he does. And so Jesus is describing himself as a good shepherd. There are other shepherds, but he's saying, I am the good shepherd. I am the shepherd, the good one. I am morally superior. I am excellent in everything that I do. And it's so important for us to understand that this relationship he desires to have with you and I is the relationship of a shepherd uh, to his sheep. Now, I'll be honest with you, as we're gonna talk in a moment, I wish he had picked another animal in his metaphor than the sheep, and I'll explain why. But he uses this to help us comprehend how he sees us and so that we might see us in a more clear manner. Uh, it's understanding how people can misunderstand us. And once we're clear with who he's, who's created us to be and how we are, it enables us uh, to navigate a little clearer as we go through life. Well, if you have a Bible, look with me in John 10. You'll see this narrative that I wanna teach from. In John 10, here it is, I am the good shepherd. I am morally superior to all the other shepherds. There are other shepherds, but none are as good. The good shepherd, the Bible says, lays down his life for the sheep. Now, in the Old Testament, oftentimes the shepherd would eat the sheep. <laughs> but in the New Testament, the shepherd now will give his life for the sheep. And so he is saying here, I am the shepherd that is willing to lay down my life for the sheep. Now, he uses an analogy. He says that there's a hired hand, and this hired hand is not the shepherd, and this hired hand does not own the sheep. So that when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away so that the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. Now again, in the, in the Palestine, uh, Palestine area back in that day, shepherds would bring hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of sheep into holding pens at night. And many times if the shepherd did not stay with their sheep, they would hire someone to do so. They would hire, uh, they would call them a hired hand or a hireling. And the purpose of the hired hand or the hireling was to stay with the sheep, to guard the sheep while the shepherd was away. Now, Jesus is saying that's good, and that shows some responsibility on the part of the shepherd, but here's what we know he was saying about a hired hand. If they're threatened, they'll run. They don't love the sheep. They don't have the same buy-in as the shepherd. Uh, if, if, if it comes down to your life or their life, it's gonna be their life, not yours. <laughs> uh, they will not sacrifice themselves for your benefit. So he's saying you need to understand the, the difference between the shepherd and the hireling. He's saying, I'm not the hireling, I'm not the hired hand. I have buy-in, I have interest in you. I, I value you. We have a relationship here. And then in the next verses, it goes on, he says in verse 13, this man, this hireling will run away because he's hired and he cares really nothing for the sheep. He doesn't have buy-in, there's really no relationship. He's in it for the money, that's the only reason he's doing this. He doesn't have a heart for these sheep. But Jesus said, in contradistinction to that, I, again, am the good shepherd. I'm good at what I do. I know my sheep, and not only do I know my sheep, but my sheep know me. Years ago, Cindy and I, we had the opportunity to go with my parents over to Israel, and we observed shepherds as they were uh, bringing their sheep into this valley, and there were hundreds and hundreds of sheep, and there were at least a dozen of the shepherds up on the hillside, and they were watching the sheep, and our guide said, hey, I want you just to observe this for a little while. This might be interesting for you, and so we watched for a while, and after a period of time, you know, we're looking those sheep over, wondering how the shepherd can tell which of those sheep belong to him. And how those sheep could tell which of those shepherds belonged to them. 
And so it was an interesting thing, and I was wondering, how are they gonna work all that out? And so in a little while, one of the shepherds walks off, and he has a little flute, and he begins to play on this little flute a song, and these sheep begin to kind of peel out of the flock, and they begin following the voice of the shepherd. Another shepherd walked off another way and he starts singing and calling out and these sheep began to move out of the flock and they began to follow after the shepherd. And our guide looked at us and he's an irreligious, he's not a religious guide. He just says, all of these sheep know the voice of their shepherd and they follow him. And that's exactly what Jesus was saying. He's saying, my sheep know me. I know them. We're in a relationship. We're connected to one another. So when it gets confusing and when it's not clear, listen for the voice of the shepherd. He said, I'm the good one, I know my sheep, my sheep know me, and just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, he said, I lay down my life for the sheep. There's nothing he would not do. There's nothing he would not do for those sheep. One of the ways in which he is a good shepherd, may I suggest to you, number one, is the way in which he governs his sheep. He governs his sheep. I don't know how many of us have just in the last few hours or even the last few days have asked someone for advice, right? Should I wear this or not? Should we go there or not? Where do you wanna go when we leave? Where do you wanna eat? Are you hungry? Do you wanna go somewhere? What do you wanna do? We're constantly asking people for advice or opinions. You do that in business all the time. You talk to someone, a business associate or a friend. You may say, hey, I need some counsel. Give me some advice. And what we're admitting when we ask for that advice is we're admitting we need shepherding. (laughs) We're not sufficient in and of ourselves to make every decision we need to make in life. Here's what I know, every one of us are ignorant, we're just ignorant on different subjects. (laughs) So we have to have help. We have to have someone come along at some point in time in our life and help us, to help us grow. We need shepherding. Our great God, the good shepherd, is a God who knows his sheep. (laughs) He knows me. He knows what works and what doesn't work. He knows how to motivate and how to move me and he knows that with you as well. And so you have a great God, you have an incredible shepherd who governs and and, and helps direct your life. In fact, I said a moment ago, it's interesting that he uses this metaphor that he is our shepherd and he uses the metaphor that we're his sheep. And when I think about that, I, I have to come to terms with that because sheep are not necessarily the smartest animals in the world. I I just gotta put it out there. They're just not necessarily the smartest animals in the world. Here's what I know about sheep. You cannot train a sheep. You can't train one. You never see a trained sheep. Now, most all other animals, you can train them, but sheep, you cannot train them. Uh, Can I go so far as to say sheep are are more than often, they're just dumb. (laughs) Let's just be honest, they're just dumb. I remember when I was a kid, my parents would take us to the Will Rogers Rodeo, and they had this uh, uh, act. Uh, Tommy Lucia, who lives in Weatherford, and he has this uh, uh, act he did with a sheepdog and sheep, and he had a spider monkey named Whiplash that would ride that uh, dog. I don't know if any of you ever saw, if you didn't play along. <laughs> he, uh, he, and then what he would do, he would, drive, he would bring those sheep out in the middle of the arena, he would open the trailer, the sheep gets out of the, out of the trailer, and Whiplash the monkey is riding the sheepdog, and they would drive the sheep to one side of the arena and put them in a pen, and then Tommy would open the gate and kind of scatter them out in the arena. And the and whiplash would ride the sheepdog and they would bring the sheep across the arena to the other side. And they would do that for 27, 28 performances at the Stock Show Rodeo. Well, what hit me was when that rodeo's over, I think they go to San Antonio and then on to Houston and on and on. Tommy literally did hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of shows, get this, with the same sheep. 
Now, just, I, 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 just go with me here. I, I, wouldn't you think that those sheep would get together at some point and say, look, we know the drill. Here's what's gonna happen. That stupid monkey riding that mangy dog <laughs> is gonna chase us around in the arena and we're gonna, we're gonna run to one side and run to the other side. And these people are gonna applaud and hoot and holler and then they're gonna load us on the trailer and then we're gonna go back and get something to eat. So let's just play along. Let's just run over here and let's get ahead of the dog and then we'll run over there and then we'll run out there and then we'll get on the trailer and we'll go to the next show. Everybody in agreement with that? Yeah, we got the drill, we got it down. But you know what? Never happened. When they, open the, when they let those sheep out in the arena, it's like they've seen the first light of a new day. <laughs> it's like, ah. They're just dumb. <laughs> now the monkey you can train, the dog you can train, cheap, no clue, no clue. And we wonder, well, how does that relate to us? How many of us have seen a friend do something incredibly crazy and we think, he had a bad outcome, but not me? <laughs> like the guy said, he keeps hitting his head against the wall because it feels so good when he stops. In fact, when Isaiah was writing, he said, all we like sheep, just like sheep, we've gone astray. I mean, the Bible is full of, of good examples, of bad examples, and yet we read about these examples and we think, well, that was them, it won't happen to us. I mean, he did that and bad outcome, but that won't be me. I'm gonna try it. I don't know anyone else has ever pulled it off. I may be the first to pull it off. What's my point? My point is sheep prone to be dumb. <laughs> they prone to be dumb. Not only that, they prone to be dependent. Dependent. I studied where sheep will, will graze off all the way down to the ground, and they will not leave that area until the shepherd leads them from the area. The sheep like comfort. They'll stay in a spot because sheep hate change. Someone has well said, the only people that really like change are wet babies. <laughs> Everybody else pretty much hates change. I heard about a New York Times uh, a reporter who was interviewing a man who just turned 100. And it was an incredible milestone in his life. And the reporter says, wow, 100 years old, what an incredible thing. He said, all the changes you've seen in your life, it's amazing how many changes. He said, I, I can't even wrap my mind around all of the changes you've seen. And the old guy kind of looked at him and said, yeah, and I've been against every one of them. <laughs> People tend to resist change because we become dependent on the shepherd. Did you know that if a, a sheep uh, feeds and grazes, if a sheep rolls over, they call it becoming cast. If a sheep gets over on its back and becomes cast, it will die in that position. Did you know they cannot right themselves? You ever feel like that after a big meal? You're just laying there going, I think I'm eating. Anyway, the point is, if a sheep doesn't have someone to come and roll it over, it will die, they become cast. So the shepherd has to watch the sheep. He said, they're grazing this ground. I need to move them into better grass. He leads me beside the still waters, the 23rd Psalm. He takes me where the good grass is, where it's calm and peaceful. He restores my soul. The idea in the Hebrew is he sets me back up on my feet. To restore one means to take one that is cast, to roll it over, to massage the legs, to get the circulation going, to make sure they can stay upright. Why is that important? Sheep are dependent. They, they are dependent upon their shepherd. Here, here's another thing about sheep. They're prone to get dirty. We have these images of the little fluffy white sheep, but the reality is sheep live in a dirty world. And the reality for us is you cannot stay clean living in a dirty world. Let me illustrate. You remember in the upper room when Jesus was having uh, uh, that last supper with his disciples just before he would go to the cross? 
And you remember in that scene, I think it's John 13 and change, you see that scene where Jesus stoops and he washes Simon Peter's feet. And Simon Peter is just blown away by that. He goes, oh no, man, Lord, what are you doing? You can't, you can't do that. And Jesus says to him, if I can't wash your feet, you and I cannot fellowship with one another. Now let me give you context because this makes uh, sense when you understand how sheep get dirty. What he was saying back in that day, uh, that Eastern culture, uh, the tables that you would, um, that you would uh, dine from were about 18 inches off the, the floor. And there were overstuffed pillows that would be around the table, so you and your dinner guests would uh, sit on, those, uh, on the floor under the table and recline on one of those pillows. So if you're hosting a party, you would, uh, you would offer your guests as they were arriving two things. Number one, you would offer them a basin and a towel so they could wash their hands. And we still do that, right? Wash your hands, kids, before you come to the table. So they would wash their hands. And the second thing they would do is they would provide a basin and a towel, a separate one, for them to wash their feet. Now, the reason that was significant is that they were walking in sandals on dirty feet, their, uh, dirty roads, so their feet naturally would get dirty because it was coming in contact with dirty roads. And that was important because you're, as you reclined around the table and you're leaning on the pillow, your feet are gonna be in close proximity to the face of your dinner partner. So everyone around the table were more interested in your feet being clean than your hands being clean. They can deal with your hands being dirty quicker than your feet. So it was just a custom of the day that while you would offer them an opportunity to wash their hands, you certainly want to give them the opportunity to wash their feet. Now, what was interesting about the upper room is there's no one at the door. The water is there, the towel is there, but those men were so preoccupied with who's gonna lead the pack when Jesus is gone, what's my role gonna be, what's it gonna happen to me when Jesus isn't here anymore, that they never even realize that they're coming to the table with dirty hands, with dirty feet. So to highlight that and to illustrate that, Jesus washes Simon Peter's feet, and Simon is shocked and he says, Lord, no. You can't, you can't do that, this is beneath you. And Jesus says, no, I am not going to have fellowship with you as long as your feet are dirty. And then Simon Peter says, wow, if you're not gonna have fellowship with me, well, just wash me all over. And Jesus says, no, you don't need a bath. You've already been cleansed, let me apply that. You don't need to get saved all over again. You just need the part of you that comes in contact with a dirty world, that part of you needs to be clean. Can I apply it? Your attitude. Your outlook, your actions, sometimes our words. It's hard to stay clean when we're living in a dirty world, let's face it. So the reality of it is we just need to wash our feet. <laughs> we, we need to make sure our heart stays clean. We need to make sure our mind stays clear. We need to make sure our attitude looks right. In other words, it is a constant thing to stay on top of our game to be sure that our fellowship with God is good so our fellowship with one another can be right. And so the significant principle that he's teaching in that narrative and in that context is it's not possible for you who know Jesus and are connected to your shepherd to stay clean while we're living in a dirty world. So just realize it and be careful to keep your heart clean. Uh, so you have this idea here that he governs us, that he is watching over us because we are dumb, we are dependent, we're prone to get dirty. Another thing about a sheep that's interesting is they're defenseless, defenseless. Um, they don't strike fear in the hearts of anyone. There's no football team out there called the fighting sheep. Now, rams I get, yeah, I get rams. I don't get sheep. 
They don't strive. If you're walking across a pasture and you have cattle and you have a few bulls in the herd, you are going to watch the bull or you're going to watch the cows that are aggressive because you know those animals can, can be threatening. But if you're walking across a meadow and there is a flock of sheep, you probably are not going to have the same outlook or respect for the, you're not going to say, scared me to death. I had 20 or 30 sheep start walking over toward me. It just, uh, the, the, the sheep are defenseless, right? In fact, he talks about the wolf in the narrative and he talks about those. Uh, in fact, the idea here is that if the shepherd doesn't watch after the sheep, they are absolutely prone to be a victim of the wolf. And as I said earlier, listen, the wolf is always at the door. What's my point? My point is, ladies and gentlemen, the relationship God wants to have with us as his sheep, he being our good shepherd, is to govern us. Here's another thought. Not only to govern us, but to guide us. He's there to guide us. And we need guidance. We need direction. Here's the thing about our shepherd. Our shepherd will not pressure us to make decisions. He will lead us. Anytime you're being pressured to make a decision, you're probably gonna make the wrong decision. God will not pressure you, he will lead you. Here's what I found in life. You will either, either live your life according to the priorities that you establish, or you'll live your life according to the pressure other people put on you. Somebody's gonna to try to take charge of you. And I found in my life, I have to live according to priority or I'll live according to pressure. I say, these are my priorities, and if I have got time to get down to this one, then I'll do that, but right now, these are the top priorities of my life, and it keeps the pressure monitored when I live by priority. Sometimes, um, when you have to make a decision, sometimes the decision that you need direction on and you need guidance on is, what do I need to do, right? What do I need to do? Other times, the decision is not what, but when do I need to do it? Now, both are equally important. And if you miss it on either point, you can make a big mistake. In my life, more often than not, it has not been the what, but the when. Have you ever had a situation in life where you knew what you needed to do, but you didn't know when you needed to do it? I mean, you know, this is what I need to do. I know I need to do this is exactly, I'm at peace with this decision, but I'm not at peace with when I need to do this. The conversation, maybe. Uh, the confrontation, perhaps. The opportunity, you know I, this is a great opportunity for me, I just don't know when I need to take advantage of that. So I'm just suggesting to you that one of the ways God, God will guide us as our shepherd is as we hear his voice. My sheep hear my voice. Now I don't mean audibly God thundering out of heaven, he could do that. I've never heard it. But I have heard his voice in my heart. How does he speak? He speaks through his word, through the promptings of his Holy Spirit. He speaks. The problem is sometimes we're too far from the shepherd to hear his voice. He's talking, we're just not close enough perhaps to hear him. So he speaks, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they know me. And I have had experiences in life where I've known what I need to do, I didn't know when I need to do it. And so I just commit it to prayer, right? God, give me wisdom, help me to make the right choice. And I can't tell you, but this has worked for me. I can't tell you it'll work for you this way, but Sarah's worked for me. It's almost like an epiphany, right? I just had this moment where I'm clear. I know, this is time. This is when I need to do it. And man, without fail, things tend to work out better when I do what I know to do, when I know to do it, because I wasn't pressured, I was led. 
So we work sometimes by, by his voice. It's relationship. Two, two things bind you to God. Get this now. Your relationship to him, your fellowship with him. Relationship he establishes the moment you receive him as savior. You're sealed with the Holy Spirit. He's your father, your shepherd. You're his child, you're his sheep. So that's relationship. That can't be broken. But there's fellowship which can be broken. He talks about the sheep that wander from the fold, right? He talks about the shepherd leaving the 99, going after the one that walked away. And many sheep walk away. Many sheep walk away. But the shepherd values every sheep. There are no important sheep. And so sometimes the sheep that have wandered don't hear the voice of the shepherd because they're too far from his heart. And so he goes in search of them and he finds them and he brings them back into the fold so that they can have relationship. So it's just relationship and fellowship. Fellowship is the heart of that walk with God. It's like you can be in a relationship with someone and be out of fellowship with someone. Are you married? <laughs> you can have a good relationship, you're married. But you can be out of fellowship, talk to the hand. <laughs> I'm just suggesting to you that that happens with God. You can be in good relationship with God, but right now you and him just ain't talking, right? We're just not talking. So fellowship is important because it's one of the ways whereby he guides us. Listen to this, Psalm 32, verse eight. He guides them with his eye, with his eye. Now, that's relationship. Every man in the room has been guided by an eye. Let me illustrate this. Have you ever fellas been at a dinner party, maybe out with friends, and all of a sudden you think about a really funny story, something your wife did, that perhaps she didn't see the humor in it, but you did. And so you decide in that moment that you're gonna share that with the table. You're gonna talk about some really funny thing she did, uh, maybe some mistake she made that was pretty funny, and you're just gonna share that with the whole group but you didn't clear that with her before the dinner party. You ever had the experience? And all of a sudden you're in the middle of your story and you're laughing and you just cannot believe this is so funny and you're talking and you're having this great time sharing this funny story on your wife and right in the middle of the story, you look over at your wife, your eyes meet. Right, you're, you are so with me right now, fellas. And your brain says, abort the story. <laughs> abort this story. This is not good. You are not going to live through this experience. Change the subject, right? And all of a sudden you're thinking quickly, how am I going to bend this back in a way where it doesn't reflect poorly on her, but back on me? And you just say, guys, I'm just, I'm just a stupid man. That's all I can tell you. I'm just a very dumb man. I'm so blessed to have such a beautiful woman. And I can't actually remember how this story ends other than I'm just a very stupid man. <laughs> and you kind of almost totally redeem yourself at that point. What's my point? My point is every one of us has been guided with an eye. When you're in a relationship with someone, you can walk in the room and just the way they look at you, you can tell if we're good or not. You can tell by the look. That's why the psalmist said, he says God has the ability to guide us with his eye. What was he saying? He was saying, when you are in such fellowship with your heavenly father and you're walking with your shepherd, he has the ability, you can sense this is what he wants me to do. I just know it. I know this is right. I just sense that this is where he wants me to go. I know this is right. So our shepherd can govern us and he can guide us. And here's the last thought and we'll go home. He can guard us. 
He said, man, I, I watch over these guys. I, I'll lay down my life for my sheep. Can I tell you, there's no one that loves you more than your shepherd. He loves you so much that he died for you. You don't love you that much. You might not die for you, but he did. He says, listen, there's nothing I wouldn't do for my sheep. When they wander, I go after them. When they're dirty, I clean them. When they're hungry, I feed them. When they're troubled, I take them by the still waters. When they're cast and they can't help themselves, I get them back on their feet, I restore their soul. And even in the moments that are so difficult, even if they walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'm with them and they don't fear. For I have a rod and I have a staff, I'm there to comfort them and to protect them. And one day we'll dwell in the house of the Lord with our good shepherd forever. Aren't you glad the story has a wonderful ending? You may go through life as we all do in difficult times. I've told you before, everybody's going through something. <laughs> you look around the room and everybody's dealing with something. But it's good to know we're going somewhere where there's no more heartaches and there's no more heartbreaks and there's no more saying goodbye. No more sickness. We're going to a place that's as real as Fort Worth, Texas. But along this journey, you know, I believe in the sweet pine pie. Just need a little help in the nasty now and now. <laughs> <laughs> so it's good to know you've got a shepherd. Just stay close to him. That's what I would tell you. Stay close to him. Don't wander far from him. And if you do, listen to his voice and come back to him. He loves you. He cares for you. He's the good shepherd, morally superior, excellent in all of his ways. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your love for us. You are the good shepherd. And we're all your sheep. We understand that. And Lord, this morning we acknowledge the fact that we are not sufficient in and of ourselves to navigate the terrain of life without your guidance. You are a providential God. You see ahead. You pro video. You, you see ahead. You know what we don't know. So help us to press in and trust you. I pray for my friends here this morning who are going through some hard, hard times. Some of them are dealing with issues in their marriage and in their personal life, their health, their, their jobs. Lord, let them know you're never far away. You are the good shepherd. You can be trusted. You're the friend that will walk into their life when every other friend has walked out. You said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. So Father, I pray that everyone will press into the shepherd will follow you as you lead us. For my friends here today and watching online, maybe who have never trusted you as Savior, I pray they'll swallow their pride and realize, Lord, I need you in my life. And with all that is in me, I trust you. With everything I know about me, I trust everything I know about you. And finally, Lord, for those who need someone just to pray for them before they leave, just to encourage them, I pray as soon as I dismiss now, they'll find their way here to the front and allow someone to spend just a few minutes just to encourage them to pray for them before they go home. I pray you'll give us a great week. It's spring break. Many, many people are out of town this weekend. I pray you'll keep them safe on the roads. Bless the time. Pray they'll make some great memories with the kids and grandkids. Bless the businesses represented in this room. I pray you'll just uh, make this a, an effective, successful week. Guard us and guide us until we meet again in your presence. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you all. Have a great rest of your Sunday. We'll see you soon.
Thank you so much for tuning in today with us. If you have any questions or prayer requests, please contact us so that we can follow up with you this week by visiting metchurch.com. We look forward to seeing you again next week.